Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, Governor of the Los Angeles Lakers, Jeannie Buss. What an honor to be here with you guys today. This is um, a treat for me, and um, I look forward to having good conversation. Bean, we don't see you much anymore. You're so busy. <laughs> You're so busy all the time. You know, it, it's my job. That's <laughs> yeah. what I do, right? And And I think, you know, this is really what I was meant to do all along. And, you know, my dad... Got me working when I was 19 and working at with uh, at the forum, bringing in tennis events, world team tennis, tennis exhibitions, and you know, kind of working my way up the ladder. But certainly, this is this was something that um, you know I've been trained to do, and now I'm the governor of the NBA Los Angeles Lakers, and I couldn't be more proud. You know. Uh- your dad, Jerry Buss, real estate and owner of the Lakers, and as you said, uh, brought you in and uh, when you were young. But he was also inducted into the Southern California Tennis Hall of Fame. Yes. <laughs> and it's interesting because you asked me to, to come in and introduce him and induct him into the Hall of Fame, which was such an honor, and I thank you for that. But a lot of people don't really get just what you and and your dad and the forum did for tennis and and there, there was great tournaments in la at the time there mm-hmm. was uh, uh the pacific southwest and then you know, there was a tournament in palm springs and there was a tournament in san diego but the way you promoted and marketed and and brought in such great matches there was something very special well, you know, that was that's where my dad got his start was in sports in the early 70s with World Team Tennis in the original format of World Team Tennis, which had World Team Tennis at that time survived, you know, the French Open and, and tournaments like that were, you know, they were competing head to head for the top players to create a professional sports league in, in the U.S. And then, of course... The politics of tennis, you know, they realized what world team tennis was a big threat 
and, um, you know, up the prize money and did the right thing and, and started to pay the players the right way. So that's one good thing about competition. So the original World Team Tennis folded in 78. The LA Strings were playing at the forum at the time. And my dad noticed that the owner, Jack Kent Cook of the Lakers and the hockey LA Kings wasn't going to any games. And at that time, Cook was going through a divorce and he had moved to Las Vegas in order to lessen the amount of money he would have to pay in a divorce because Nevada was not right. a, con you know, whatever. Um, different laws. Different laws for, for, thank you, for divorce. So he started. Community state. <laughs> community yeah. state, thank you. And so he started um, kind of working on Jack Kent Cook to sell him the Lakers and the Kings because he really wanted to be in sports and own a team. And the Lakers were something that he had felt that, being born in Wyoming and moving to Los Angeles and making Los Angeles his home, he fell in love with the city. And he felt that um, there was a, a big East Coast bias with all the, the, the Celtics and the Knicks and the 76ers. That's, those were the teams that people cared about. They didn't really give uh, credit to the West Coast teams. And he wanted to you know, create a, a team that, that the city could be proud of, the city that he fell in love with. And so really tennis brought my dad to, you know, ending up owning the Kings and the Forum and the Lakers, which then he put me in charge of, you know, let's get tennis back. Let's bring back world team tennis. So we did in a much shorter format, just one month during the summer in between Wimbledon and the U.S. Open and, um, and then bring in great tennis exhibitions because when you're a tennis promoter, the worst phone call that you get is about you know, a month or two before your tournament and people ask you who's in the final. And you have to explain it. It's a tournament right. and you have to see who wins to see who's in yeah, the final. Exactly. But that, you know, we, we realized there was a market for people who wanted to see the great matchups and didn't want to wait and see who was going to be in the final. So, um, you know, that's really one, the reason, one of the reasons that I got to meet you, Jimmy, was, you know, he gave my friend Linda Rambis um, who I've been working side by side with for um, almost 40 years. He gave us a big challenge, which was to get Jimmy Connors and get him to play an exhibition at the forum. And <laughs> we just started to stalk you and hound you. And, and I, I noticed. <laughs> I, was, I was no dummy. And of course, of course, we wanted you to play. Um, John McEnroe, who, which, you know, that's the match that everybody wanted to see because it, it was like a, a, a title fight, you know, a world heavyweight championship fight. Anytime you two guys were on the court, it didn't matter what, what was going on. You wanted to beat each other. And so it, it took a couple of years, but finally in March of 1984, um, we sold out the forum and set the gross gate 
in ticket sales record that was held at the forum. And it was the, 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 the original record was for a Muhammad Ali fight in the 70s. So here you guys are 10 years later out drawing, you know, the championship boxing and, you know, put on a match that I was, you know, never so proud to be a part of something and seeing tennis, um, you know, sell out the forum and, and, you know, be like Madison Square Garden and rowdy and full of celebrities and, it was really one of those great moments of my life, and and certainly having you there was uh, made it that much more special. Well, you know, to come into play, uh, exhibitions back then were were really the thing because mm-hmm. the the money was just starting to come into uh, not just tennis but sports in general back then. So to go and play exhibitions was. Uh, if you could find somebody you could hook up with, was something special, mm-hmm. and, and and to go out and, and to to play and, and especially in L.A. and and you said it right, Jeannie, that that it became uh, almost like a destination, mm-hmm. you know, for the celebrities and, and sports fans, and you know, to have those one nighters like that, and for you. You know, and I keep going back to, to giving you the credit, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and your dad mm-hmm. for seeing that because, uh, you know, Europe saw it, uh, Asia saw it, South America saw it. But I, I don't know if, if that uh, was a vision of, of this country at the time, right or wrong? I, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I, I feel that the leadership in tennis, you know, on the international and the national level is it really fails at, you know, bringing in new people, new talent, new, inspiring more kids to pick up the game of tennis. And certainly, you know, your record, it just, it, it led us to, it led young players like Agassi and Sampras and Michael Chang to, to, pick up a game because they saw how great American tennis could be. Now, where did that go? Like, where are our American, great American players anymore? I don't understand. And so maybe maybe it's because it, it wasn't promoted the right way in this country or... Um, you know, I don't. I don't know how to break down those barriers. Yeah, it's interesting. That could be a, a, a an all day conversation, really, mm-hmm. uh, to 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 find out. You know, the answer to that question. Uh, but the women seem yes. to be doing okay. Yeah, they're doing yeah. good. Yeah, uh, and it's funny because in the, in the business that I'm in now, you know, we we draft players in the NBA at 19 years old, and and you know, at, at, at a time like, you know. And we'll probably get to eight, starting to draft 18-year-olds again. But when, uh, for example, a player like Kobe Bryant was drafted, he was 17, which meant his parents literally had to sign his contract because he wasn't 18 yet. Hmm. So, so very often I'm dealing with parents of, of players hmm. that are very young. That, and and I, because of my experience in tennis... I was able to have a lot of experience with with uh, uh, parents who want to advocate strongly for their child, and I think every right. parent should be like that. So when you talk about women's tennis, I think back to um, a guy that kind of hounded me 
at the forum during all our tennis events. And he would tell me how great his daughter was at tennis. And I was like, yeah, I've heard this a hundred times. Right. And, um, you know, her name was Venus Williams. Right. And um, so we had her come and play as an undercard. And she was, I think, 14 or 15 and about to turn pro. And we couldn't find anybody to play her because she was just, you know, really coming into her own and none of the top players wanted to lose to her because she was so young, right? And so I went back to her father, Richard Williams, and said, we can't find anyone in the top 20 that will agree to play her in an exhibition. And he said, well, actually, the, the person who gives her the best match is her, her sister, Serena. And I said, there's another Williams daughter. Are you kidding me? Serena. So like at that time, we, I had never even heard of Serena and to, to see the, the career that they've had and, and the influence that they've had on women's tennis and women's sports overall, um, truly is, you know, a success story and an inspiration. And again, I'd like to see more American players follow in their footsteps. So, so well, it's cool now with Coco Golf. Yes. Yeah. You know, she's exactly. just a 16 now and she's out there already beating the pros. Right. So imagine the mentality that they're, it, you knew that back then that they didn't want to lose to a 15 year old who wasn't a pro. Right. right. <laughs> now they're really hating it. And then she's got the swagger. Like for she's sure. Got, yeah, I lo- I love you can that. see that she's going to be good for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what do you think, you know, and uh, like I said, we could talk for, forever on that. Is, is it the same in, in basketball though? I mean, to, uh, is it cyclical? Uh, players coming around in, in tennis or basketball where all of a sudden you get a, a group coming out of college in four or five years and then it goes dry and, and you don't find the stars? Is it the same? It's, it does seem like that. I wish I knew that the answer, but it does seem like you get like a cohort of, you know, really good players at one time that, um, you know, kind of come in together and, um, you know, when you think of Chris and Martina, like why did they have to play each other in every final and they wanted to, to beat each other so bad. But, you know, that's, it, it, you know, would, would you know, Chris be Chris if it hadn't been for Martina, you yeah, know, like, yeah. and we all, all have to respect our opponent that brings out the best in us. So I don't know how to answer that question. You know, like you with Mac. Yeah, Mac that's, made that's you better. What, yeah, yeah, that's what sports is all about, though. Yeah. You got to find, you know, it, it, and we'll get to this a little later, but mm-hmm. that's the Lakers and the Celtics. Right. You know, you got to have somebody that you can butt heads with. Right. Yeah, and and uh, to me, I mean, that's a rivalry to me that, that and it's not, it can't be soft. You know, you got you to gotta go in every time and know that these guys want to beat you just as bad as you want to beat them or, or worse. Well, and did you watch the Last Dance documentary on Michael Jordan? So, yeah, okay. So, you know that that's what's unusual is that Michael Jordan really didn't have that one defined, you know, enemy that got in his head. He almost created those rivalries just to get himself pumped up. So, even in that last year of of the Bulls as we knew them with Phil and Michael. You know, you you had the the general manager saying, no matter what, even if you win a championship, Phil Jackson's not coming back to coach the Bulls. 
And so it became like, that's how the season started. So it really became that the opponent was actually the front office. And it mm-hmm. seemed that that's what inspired them to win right. that championship more than anything was there even inside their own organization, which I found fascinating. But, um, but is, that's the, that's the mark to me of, of, a of a true champion, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to find a reason, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, staring you right in the face or you, you gotta, you know, create something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, you, you mentioned Michael Jordan. I mean, how can you mention somebody <laughs> any bigger than that? Exactly. But, but when you said that, you know, he didn't have that one, uh, opponent, you know, to really step up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, did it come down to every night for him then? I guess it did. It, it did. I, all he wanted to do with win, was, was win. win. He yeah. was so obsessed with winning. And like you have to look at it, the timeline went that his first championship was in 91, beating the Lakers with Magic Johnson. And then, you know, six months, you know, and we thought, oh, this will be a fun rematch. Like we got to beat the Bulls and get our championship back. But that fall... Magic had to retire because of the HIV virus. So we never had that chance to, you know, revenge the loss to the Bulls. So then really not until Kobe came was there somebody that really they mentioned as being the heir apparent to to Michael Jordan. And certainly now when you look back at how much Kobe copied Michael's game you really see it and mm-hmm. I think that the, the documentary kind of reminded people of how much Kobe just copied Michael's mannerisms and was completely inspired and so what drove Kobe was to be better than Michael so sometimes it isn't even playing against each other on the court. It's just saying, I want to be as great as so-and-so and making it your own personal challenge. Yeah, it, it seems like that uh, that you're saying in basketball that uh, given that in, in basketball, what tennis is missing. Right, right. And, and, you know, Phil Jackson loves tennis because it is that that gamesmanship. It's, it's one-on-one. It's mental. It's like a chess match. And so to him, that's the closest to what basketball was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, he when when he sat out a year of coaching, he went to the Australian Open by himself because he just loved tennis so much, like just to 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 watch that. And to, you know, really, it, it comes down to who's got the stronger will to win. I think it's interesting that you say that the greats will find a reason to take it to the next level no matter what. Because even though, I mean, the Bulls had won five rings at that point. Right. They'd come off two back-to-backs. So right. they're, they're the heavy favorite. And still he digs deep and is able to, you know, in the front office, I'll find it anywhere. You yep. know, someone out there is against us. Yeah. And I'll use that to fuel me. Yeah. And, he, and, and, I, and I think Michael kind of, when he retired... He probably retired too soon and then, you know, tried to come back with Washington, which was probably not a good idea. But um, I think he really kind of struggled to find what what is that going to be that next thing that feeds me, that's mm-hmm. going to fire me up. And now he owns a team. So, yeah. that you know, he's he's made peace with that. Is, is that an attitude that uh, uh, that bygone uh, that find that uh, that 
dislike or that hate or that motivation or wherever you find it is that uh, is that gone by or, or do you see that uh, still uh, you know I, I I see it you know I, I I guess you know when you watch NBA and you see and it's hard for me because I'm not allowed to talk about players on other teams mm-hmm. but because that would be tampering but I think there are there are a couple of rookies that in our are in our league this year that are like they just have that you know, like you're on a bad team that's not going to make the playoffs, and yet you, you, you don't give up. You don't back down. You want to. You, right. You're you want to. You want to be part of the the NBA greats, and and even on a bad team, you're going to stand out and you're going to do the work. And you know, that's for yourself. That's the only motivation that you can find. When, when you went to SC, you, you studied business, Yes. right? And, and, and did you ever think uh, back then, I mean, you were breaking in slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were tennis and uh, volleyball and, and, uh, uh, and, and then also around the NBA. Mm-hmm. But, but did, you, did you ever think that uh, where, where this would take you, the, you know, the, the experience that you had early and, and what that is doing for you now? You know, my dad, in his in his mind, he he wanted to make enough money that so his kids could do whatever they wanted to, like um, so he didn't really he he didn't make a decision. Jeannie, this is what you're going to be a businesswoman, or you're going to take over the family business. I just gravitated to it because I enjoyed it, and I. I, you know, I, I loved it, and he saw that in me, and he fed that in me. Like, he, he um, nurtured that, um, you know, I guess, business sense, and he saw something in me, and he told me for many years because his goal was to keep the Lakers in the family even after he was gone, and when... It, it, the way our tax laws are set up, it's very difficult to pass on an asset of the size of the Lakers, uh, an NBA team, um, because of the amount of uh, inheritance taxes, death taxes, as they call it. And he, um, you know, over a 10-year period, was slowly turning... Um, creating a trust and putting the, the Laker stock into that trust for the benefit of the family so that the family could keep the team. And um, he, he told me often that he was going to put me in charge. And, you know, I, I, knowing that I had two older brothers and a younger sister, that seemed, and also t- two even more younger brothers, from, you know, stepbrothers, that was, it was kind of like, well, you know, he may be telling all of us the same thing. Mm. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm doing it because I like doing it, not because I'm trying to, you know, move up on the totem pole. And, um, you know, certainly when, after he passed away and, you know, there was, I guess, like you like in the movies, the reading of the will. It was kind of a surprise to my siblings um, that I was put in the position that I'm in now. And um, 
you know, that's, we can talk about sibling rivalry that really has nothing to do with sports, but you know, it didn't sit well with my brother, my older brothers. And, you know, it, it finally came to after three years of watching um, my brother run the basketball department and, and making decisions that, that weren't cohesive in, in, in complementing each other. You know, the way I always looked at a team is that every decision that you make complements the decision before. Otherwise, you're, you're all over the place and you're just changing your mind and going through coaches. And, you know, he, he had hired a coach in Mike Brown who was a very good defensive-minded coach and after 18 months fired him and brought in Mike D'Antoni, who's known as a very non-defensive coach, (laughs) the total opposite. So you can't possibly, those two styles of play can't have the same roster. You have to build a roster for the the style of play that you want. So it was kind of like I wasn't seeing you know, where we were, where we were going with, um, with the team. And, you know, we had just signed a 25 year deal with Spectrum, uh, who carries our games. And when we signed that deal, they, they literally said, you know, we know how you've run the Lakers team the last 25 years. Are you going to run the team the same way the next 25 years? Cause that's what we're counting on. And when year after year we were failing to even make the playoffs, um, that's not what we agreed to. And that was hurting us and hurting the business. So I had to make the decision of which, as as I was making that decision to make a change with my brother, unbeknownst to me, he had hired lawyers to try to oust me from the position I was in. So that's that was the, the, the controversy that people unfortunately had to hear about a few years ago. And that's when I brought Magic Johnson on right. to run our basketball program. And he's the one that got us in, in the right direction to get a LeBron James. And then mm-hmm. I think Magic just decided it was, you know, he, he, he'd done what he needed to do and, and being part of the nine to five world wasn't something that he wanted to do. And, uh, but I give him so much credit for the success that we're having now. And, uh, certainly, um, he's somebody that, you know, I grew up with and, and, and love very much. But, but he also had a vested interest. Uh, he, he was a Laker. Come on. Yes, I mean, yes. he, he had that in his heart. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I guess uh, it's like, uh, like anything else. You grow up, you're with a team, and, and all of a sudden you live that team even when you're not playing. Right. So uh, was, that, was that part of his coming back uh, because of his feelings? Yeah. Didn't one time uh, he had a vested interest in owning the Lakers? Is that right yes, or wrong? Yes, he, um, he at one point owned... Um, Laker stock, um, after he retired, um, he had more years on his contract. So he converted that, that contract into equity into the team. Right. But then he sold his piece 
to acquire a piece of the Dodgers right. of which he owns now. So yes, but he, in, and when you talk about that vested interest, I imagine that's how you feel when people talk about where's the great American tennis players, oh. because it's like your name's always going to come up. And it, it's kind of like people ask you, Hey, why, why isn't there another Jimmy Connors right now dominating in, in tennis? And you know, you feel it's like a reflection on you too. Just like magic when the Lakers were failing miserably, people would say to him, what's wrong with your Lakers? Even though he was, right. it wasn't his responsibility. What's wrong with your Lakers? Right. Yeah. So it was like, he, he, he will always be vested that way and want, want to see the Lakers do well. You I always thought it was cool though, that he was, he brought LeBron just because yes. everyone tries to compare LeBron to Jordan and Kobe, yep. but his game style is, is more like magic. It is right. You know? Yep. So I thought that was always a really cool thing that he was able to bring him into the Lakers. Yes. And, and, and that's, it's so important for a player like LeBron who could have gone to many, he had a, a lot of options. You know, he needs to know that, are you investing in the organization? Do you guys really want to win? You know, I, I want, you know, accountability and transparency and, and a, a great organization. And that's what magic mm -hmm. they, they really bonded because they're very similar, both, you know, um, from the Midwest, both, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of success at a young age and, uh, they very really, business minded too. Yeah, and very business yeah. minded. Yeah. So. Well, what do you think about that? What she was saying, like, do you feel like that interest? Like when people say, where's the next great American man? Like, do you, do you feel like, you know, like you're bummed that there's not somebody out there? Like, well, of, <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, ten, tennis, uh, in the U S uh, you know, for 35 or 40 years was it. Mm -hmm. You know, from from my my generation with uh, I can name a few of them uh, myself and Gottfried and Stockton and and then McEnroe and then Sampras and Agassi and Courier and Chang and you know and then ending up with Andy Roddick uh, in mm -hmm. 2001 I think he won the U.S. Open was the last U.S. man to to win a Grand Slam uh, and and then but all of a sudden we start building these big stadiums uh, in New York and uh, you know to. You know, and, and I, I want to get blistered for this, but I don't care. Yeah, you know, to showcase foreign talent, you know, and, and, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, but somewhere the guy's got to start stepping up and, and, and saying, you know, it, it, you know, it's time now for, for my career not to be judged on my bank account, mm -hmm. but, but on the amount of tournaments that I win and, and grand slams, mm -hmm. because that seems to be the way it's gone now, Jeannie, that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, how many grand slams have you won where back in the day it was every day, right. you know, did you win today? You know, now it's about grand slam. So for, from my standpoint, I liked what you said that, that it's not getting into the, into the hands of the kids, you mm -hmm. know, where they have baseball, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, volleyball, e everything that they can get into now, mm -hmm. you know, so what's going to bring them to tennis? Mm -hmm. and, and, and like you said, uh, it's been lost somewhere along the way. And it, and, and it kills me because it's such a great sport. So like when you, when we watch Nadal play Federer and they have this like great match, like that used to belong to the U.S. when you guys would have these unbelievable marathon matches. And, you know, where is that 
kid out there that's watching that going, I want to do that. And do they have too many choices? I, th- I think so. But it's, it, it, it was interesting. To, um, a year or two ago, I hosted, um, some USC football players at a Laker game. And I, I got to, to talk, I had some time to talk to them before the game. And I was really surprised at how many did not play football in high school. They were track, they were volleyball, they were basketball. Mm. It almost as if they wanted more well-rounded athletes instead of just the one, the kid that all he did was play football. Mm-hmm. They wanted Cross good, good athletes. Right. right. And like, and that, and so maybe tennis needs to be, you know, introduced back into like, it's not like you just have to play tennis and play it every day. Yeah. But like, if It'll you're going to play soccer, do the, you know, everybody mm-hmm. should play tennis at, you know, at least some point in their life just to be exposed to well, it. Well, Martina was the first one to, to really bring in that uh, cross training, you know, back in the day where she got, uh, she started playing basketball right. with, with Nancy Lieberman. That's and right. So, I mean, that changed her, uh, her, her whole physical appearance also. I yeah. mean, she got stronger and her, her movement got better and everything. Yeah. And so mentally, like, yeah, yeah. just yeah. it gives you a break, makes you think a different way. And so maybe that's what needs to happen. But now in schools, you know, there, there is no physical education. There is no time. So it's right. almost like the dollar drives, you know, if, if a, you know, a parent wants a kid to get go into something, maybe to get a scholarship, but really uh, it's about money. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to play tennis. Like, you know, there's not a lot of courts and, you know, you've got to find someone to play with. So it isn't something you can just go in your backyard and do. And you have to win. Yeah. You You know, with team sports, you can be really good, put up numbers. And I think that's why in America, the women have had so much more success. Like you said, it's about the money. So there's only a couple options for the women, like golf, tennis, WNBA a little bit, but they're not making big money like, you know, the golfers and the tennis players do. But then with the men, they have, you know, football, basketball, baseball, where they can make, you know, huge money. So like everyone always wonders, I mean, what happens if LeBron played tennis, you know, or some of the guys in the NBA or NFL like chose tennis, we'd probably be just fine, you know, with American tennis players. Oh, that's a good point. So I always think that that's why you see the women having more success consistently, you know, than you do the men. Because they don't have the, uh, as many options. When you look at it like monetarily, right. right. Because you see the the problems that the soccer just went through, Mm -hmm. you know, where they like challenge their contract to try and get paid more. It's like, they're the best team in the world. That's true. And they're not getting paid as much as the men. So that's true. And, 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 you know, and being a woman, it's, it's hard for me to, to talk about that, the disparity in pay for women athletes versus male athletes. But as a promoter, I'll tell you, it's whatever the money that was brought in, Mm -hmm. go, you know, we share it with the athletes. So it's gotta be a sport that brings in the money in order to pay the athletes. And so that's the, that's the disconnect. It isn't, it isn't gender bias. It's, it's ticket 
buyer bias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what needs to change. And so like for me, just on a small level, since we brought up women's sports, I um, am involved in a, um, it's, it's called Wow Women of Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so I've invested in these opportunities because there's, you know, I'm a, a product of Title IX, which was passed in the 70s. And literally in 1977, my um, PE teacher handed me a golf club and said, you're on the women's golf team. And I said, I've never played golf in my life. How am I on the women's golf team? And she said, if we don't have a women's team, we can't have a men's team because of Title IX. So we're, you know, we'll teach you. And so I ended up, you know, playing golf in high school and we won the city championship. (laughs) And I never, I I didn't even think of that as an opportunity. It was it was given mm-hmm. to me. It was, I was made to do it, but that's there. There's so many women, uh, athletes now that, um, participate in college sports, field hockey, or volleyball, basketball, all these things. And there's not, unless you're in the WNBA or a tennis player or a figure skater, you, there's not places for women athletes to earn money. And so I figured wrestling sells tickets you know, we, there's no such thing as a women's only, you know, wrestling group. And what I liked about that is that women fight their own battles instead of running to a man to solve their problem. And so that's kind of a, pro, a labor of love that I'm working on and that we're out pitching right now to networks. And I think we're, we're going to get something really good. I'm very proud of it. That's really cool. So thank you. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. And they've expanded their menu. Now you can choose from 30 plus recipes, with the option to mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box, without changing your plan. Get everything you need at Green Market, the one-stop shop for quick breakfasts, brunch kits, wholesome lunches, and more you can easily add on to your weekly order. In 2023, help yourself to delicious, easy-to-follow recipes that support your healthy lifestyle and taste good, too. Eat well in the new year without sacrificing taste. I love getting the Green Chef box with my girlfriend, unpacking it, and see what we got. Lately, we've been trying to eat healthy in the new year, and hopefully we can keep that going in February and March, and I hope you will, too. Go to greenchef.com slash connors60 and use code connors60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash connors60. Code Connor60 for 60% off and free shipping. What's better than finding quality candidates? Finding them instantly. For a powerful hiring partner, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it does the hard work for you. Sponsor a job and boom, Instant Match shows your candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows hiring needs to be cost effective when you're running your own business. Visit Indeed.com slash Connors to start hiring now. That's Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. 
Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. That's really cool. And they have a really loyal following. Yeah. People who love wrestling. I mean, I grew up watching Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and all, and all those guys. Made him take me to Madison Square Garden <laughs> in the middle of the winter one time. We were How old back were you? You were just a like little 10, kid. Nine or 10. You know, took the train in. <laughs> it, was, it was a day out with Pops, you know, and, and uh, I, I never saw a crowd like that you know, to, to be uh, that into it. Uh, no matter, uh, I mean, we, we had seats, I don't know, we way far we up. Way up. But I mean, the excitement all around the you know, Madison Square Garden was something. And, and uh, you know, with wrestling, uh, I guess it's either in your blood or not, right? Right, right, yeah. right. So, but, but when, you've, when you came up, Jeannie, you, you saw so many greats pass through L.A. Mm-hmm. playing for the Lakers. Uh, you know, from when you were growing up to when you uh, were, were around it to... Showtime. Yeah. <laughs> Showtime. <laughs> How, how do you how do you compare? It's like I'm so I'm so blessed and so lucky that I you know it's it's crazy. Um, I guess um, you know I, I look at people like me. I'm I'm a producer or a operator or whatever you want to call it promoter, and our job is to give talent the platform to succeed. To, to give the talent the tools and the exposure and the opportunity to shine and be the best that they can be. And that's, you know, that's my little role in, you know, being around all these great athletes is letting them be the story. Like I, I never understand it when you have an owner in a sport who is bigger than any of the stars on their team. And, you know, there might be a football owner who, who gets more in endorsements for himself than his players on his team. <laughs> like he's, he, he wants to be the star, not them. So I, I'm the complete opposite. I just, I feel that, you know, uh, talent is so rare and, and God-given that it really deserves to shine. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have, you know, you, you being part of that story and, and watching and even, um, you know, that great run that you had at the U.S. Open late in your career and how you just, you just lit people on fire and inspiration. It's like that's what sports is all about to me. I don't know if everybody knows, but you used team tennis that summer for the run in 91. That's right. To hone your skills and get ready for the U.S. Open. Let's talk a little bit about team tennis back then. Yes, please do. I've never had so much fun in my life. And and I say that because first it was in L.A., which was great. And 
and and playing you know for you and the team that you had put together was just so much fun you know to to go around and to travel and and we were from LA. We we thought that every time we would go someplace, that everybody be didn't matter where we go, that they'd be rooting for us. And yeah, LA's coming. I never heard more booze in my life. <laughs> they they just didn't like us. Why? And and you fed off that though. Oh, like the yeah, louder they booed, you loved it. But you had a team behind you, like you. And and that's one of the, you know. Billie Jean King, it's her baby. And I love the fact it's, you know, two men and two women playing together, um, you know, and we play all, all different sets, you know, men's singles, women's singles, men's doubles, women's doubles, and mixed doubles. And it's, you know, men and women contributing equally to the outcome of a match. Right. And, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, I'd really, really love to see a co-ed basketball league. And I really think that that I, w- I was talking to Kobe a lot about it because he was coaching his daughter and, and mm-hmm. Gigi really was going to change how people looked at, at women's basketball. Oh. Like she was, she had that same. Yeah, already. Uh, yeah, that, that look in the eye, that killer instinct, <laughs> just like her dad. And um, I really, you know, she might have been the first, you know, uh, female in the NBA. But certainly I think there's room for a co-ed league. You know, I'd love to see a basketball played that way because I think the way the rules are now and, you know, that, you know, it's not just big guys hitting each other under the basket. The, the game has spread out mm. and that you can mm. have – you know, great shooting, and 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 I and I do think we'll see that someday, some a, a co-ed league. But but uh, has the fun been taken out of it? Uh, and, and and the reason I say that is because I, I want to go back to team tennis again. Uh, you uh, had a, a a young upstart working for you called <laughs> Sam Bain, our Sam our buddy. Bain. Yeah, no, he's our buddy. And and when you when you wouldn't travel and and you were busy, Sam would come and, and take care of us and, yeah. and look after us. And, and, but he made it so much fun, you know, and, and did you inject that in him, you know, to say, listen, these guys got to have fun no matter what, or because the, the more fun we had, the better we played and well, she just, just made it. She sent him on Well, I think we were the first team to have a private jet. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> that, that made it pretty fun, too. <laughs> Thanks. It made it pretty cool. No, that makes it. made it, travel easy. It, <laughs> made, it made it easier. And, like, certainly, like, you were the superstar for our team and our league. And, and but that's, that's just, that's what my dad taught me. And so if I taught that to Sam, then that's good. Sam's <laughs> one of my favorite people. I still talk to him all the time. But he lives on the East Coast, boo. Yeah, but, um, you know, I don't here. get to see him enough. But um, certainly that, you know, that's why, you know, those are the people that I surround myself with are people like Sam of, of like mind and, and knowing, um, you know, taking care of the team can lead to success. So that's, that's kind of how we, we operate. It doesn't guarantee success, but it certainly, I think, goes a long way in showing um, that you care and, and what's important. Even, uh, I'm sure even in the down times, you feel the same way about your team. Uh, but when the Lakers had such a legacy of winning, uh, in your downtime, uh, 
your fan base? They stick with you? You know, thankfully, the Laker fans have been fantastic and, and been very patient. Um, I think that um, when, you know, when Kobe was coming to the end of his career and the idea that he was a player that played 20 years for the same organization um, and, you know, because of the, the, the tight relationship that we had, he came to me in November of that last season and said that he wanted to, that this was going to be his last year, but he wanted to announce his retirement the way he wanted to. And he knew that he could trust me, that he could tell me, and that we would set it up so that he could do it the way he wanted to. And it wouldn't leak out. And, you know, a week later, it, what he wanted to do was he wanted everybody that was at that game, not expecting anything other than a Sunday game in November, everybody received a letter. And that, the you know, there was one letter for every person in the audience and there were no more made. So like it was that much of a keepsake and it was him announcing his retirement. And the gift that that gives an organization like us is that it um, allowed us to celebrate the end of his season. Because a lot of players might say, I'll decide in the off season if I want to come back or not. You know, I, I may be looking at other offers and, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it would have left everything up in the air. But, but the idea that he announced his retirement allowed this amazing Kobe love tour that, that I don't think he even understood that when he, his last game at the Boston Garden, that they would cheer for him. Mm -hmm. And every, even in Denver, every place that he went, um, they got to show him their love and appreciation for, for what he brought to the game. Now, mind you, the Lakers, I think we were 25 and, you know, some awful record that season, but it, it didn't matter because it was about Kobe and about Kobe's, you know, being able to, to, to let him know how much we loved him. And, um, but, fa but fans recognize that it doesn't matter uh, where you go. They, they recognize number one, greatness. Mm -hmm. They, they recognize what you do for the sport while you're playing, uh, like you're not. You know they're they're gonna they're gonna give you that uh, uh, that love that yeah. that feel, uh, especially when when you're going. Uh, you know they may not like you when you're when, <laughs> when you're sinking those three pointers and you know beating your team, but but they're still the fans are, are fans and deep down are are, are the best. They are the best, and and I'm we're the Laker fans have been very patient. You know, bringing LeBron was one piece and then making the trade for Anthony Davis was you know the other the other piece of the the puzzle and now we have a one-two punch that was sitting at the top of the Western Conference mm -hmm. when everything got shut down so how, how do you think this year is going to play out now Let's see. Do you want to talk about that now, or uh, <laughs> we could we could just touch on it a little if you want. Yeah, and I we mean, we could do more in depth. I, I, I'm 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 optimistic that we'll have an end to this season. Like whether it's going to be 
us or another team winning a championship. I'm, I'm glad that we'll have some kind of end to this chapter, this, mm-hmm. this, this season, because, you know, let's, it's yeah. it's uh, never it's once in a lifetime pandemic that's right. for sure the hope yeah, yeah let's let's hope and and that uh, we we get through this do you do you feel like is there a sense amongst the players and the team like to win for kobe i mean everyone obviously wants to win for themselves but maybe could you talk a little bit about kobe just we were talking last night and when we heard the news about what had happened we were playing golf together up here and in the, in the morning it was foggy and just recon I feel like that's one of those things you're going to remember where you were when you heard it mm-hmm. you know and we were walking off the third green and he looked at his phone and we thought it was a you know like right. it was some sick joke it's like a hoax yeah right? one of those it, hoax tweets or something like that and then you know it, it ended up being true and you know can you just talk about what it, he meant to you yeah your team? it's I mean it's it's hard to process and it's you know it's like um you know, like Magic retired in 91, and, you know, I, I see him on a regular basis all the time. He's such a part of our landscape. And so now to think about Kobe, and I'm not going to see him when we have the reunion of the 2000 team or the 2001 team or, you know, just just having that void, it's impossible to fill because of what he meant to the, the organization. And, um, you know, for me, he was a personal inspiration and somebody I went to, um, to bounce ideas off of. And he was, he was always (laughs) very, um, strategic in his thinking you know, which like to me, that's like the tennis, you know, because it's always like seeing if I if I'm going to hit it here, how's he going to hit it back? And how am I going to return that shot? Like that's Kobe was always like steps ahead of everything. And, you know, um, he would give me strategy and support and never judgment, never second guessing, never um when he when he decided to retire, it wasn't like, you know, I don't care about the Lakers anymore. Like he wanted us to still be great and still do well. And, you know, I, I will miss him, you know, for the legacy he created, but I will miss him as a friend and a confidant and somebody that I thought I would, you know, know the rest of my life. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I you see pictures when he's sitting with his daughter mm-hmm. in the stands, and uh, I, I know when my mom was teaching me tennis, how how she would, you know, get in my ear and get in my face and and, and point and, and show me and so see how that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And I see that I saw that in him with his daughter, and 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 I'd always see his daughter the way she looked up to him with, mm-hmm. you know, the eyes and just you know, soaking up everything. You know, so so you you look at like I said, you, people recognize greatness. You know, but greatness goes beyond just that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it, it's the way you can get your point across. It's the way you communicate with the fans or or, or your daughter. You know, and how, how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And and it 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 his came. It looked to me like, and correct me if I'm right. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. That it came from his soul. 
uh, in his heart, the way he was, uh, he wanted to give that in his experience to his daughter so bad mm-hmm. that that he was willing to do anything. And it, but it, it, but he also saw the spark in her eye, yeah. and he and he said, I remember him telling us, you know, I think it's my. You know, he had the his older daughter, but he said, I think my younger one, she's got it. She's got the bug. I see it in her eyes. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, Dad, how can I do this better? How can I do that? You know, yeah. and he fed it. He knew how to nurture that part of her. And that and I loved how proud he was of being a girl dad, you know, mm-hmm. and how many, you know, dads, you know, don't know how to to coach their daughters or like, you know, to see that ease of relationship. It it was inspiring for a lot of parents and a lot of fathers and, and, uh, but dealing with your kids is a gift in itself. (laughs) You you know, it it, it is, especially, uh, you know, life in general, but in, in sports, Mm -hmm. you know, how to, how to keep them interested and, and, and how to, like my mom, I, I I can go back to my mom and Pancho Segura because you know they they taught me things and I didn't even know it, right? You know, and how to get the point across, and mm-hmm. and, I, and I just almost took it in my stride because it to them and in, in saying that was no big deal, right? Uh, and 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 that's a gift in itself. Yeah, and 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 you know my dad with you know my dad teaching me, he was always trying to teach me poker, and I'm <laughs> the worst poker player of all time because. I've got no poker face. Like I can't. Like I'd be like, oh, like a four of a kind. <laughs> like oh, oh wait, I That's wasn't good, supposed right? to show not, you, not right? To like, right? I just, I, I, like I'm the worst liar there is. So, but what? And his point was, and I kept telling him, Dad, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the poker player that you think I can be. And and he said, he goes, he goes, what I want you to know is that, he said. Uh, that poker is all about patience and it's all about having the right cards. And he said, you have to wait for the cards. And most people can't because they're too impulsive. They want to hurry up and force it and push the game. Right. He said, but once you do get the cards, you have to be able to go from zero to a hundred. And he goes, that's the, that's what I'm afraid that you won't be able to do. That's the, that's the part that I'm concerned about with you in this business. So when the decision was being talked about trading Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram for Anthony Davis, it was really hard for me to do because these kids, you know, came to us as rookies and we right. were developing them and I was watching them grow. So proud of them. But this was the, that moment that my dad was talking about. Are you going to be able to, to say, you have the cards now. Are you going to make the move? And so, I, you know, like all those words came right back to me. Like, don't be scared. You know, you've got it. This is the deal and go for it. And so it's just, you know, the, all those teaching right. moments that 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 but also have, also be big enough to pay the consequences either way. Right. If if it if it works then, you know, take the pat on the back and if right. it doesn't you you you, right. have, you have to take it all. You learned. You, you learn. I learned something, right? And and you know, that's and I'm not a parent, so like I like hearing the the parenting stories 
And, you know, like Phil Jackson, you know, every year he would give books out to the players, you know, like um, on the long road trip, he would specifically pick out books for each player for, for them specifically. And, you know, a lot of them would like roll their eyes, you know, make a joke. And finally, after a few years, I said to him, why do you still do it like they make fun of it it's and he goes he goes the message is always going to be there they may take it home and it'll sit on a shelf and maybe 10 years or when they become a parent they're going to go I wonder what he wanted what was he trying to teach me Mm. and they'll go back to that book so it's like it isn't like, okay, I'm your parent. I'm going to tell you this right now. It's about imparting wisdom over time, right. over a lifetime. Right. Right. And they're like little things almost that get activated. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he was trying to teach you about poker. You're like, dude, I don't know poker that well. Like, what do you I'm mean? I'm never going to go to a car. Zero to a hundred right, at your right, car. What are you right, talking about? Right, but right. then you get in a situation later and you're like, yeah, this I is what hear, he was talking about. I could, this is what he's talking about. And yeah. then I, and it's like, that's, you're right. It's, it's, that's the that stuff that gets in your DNA. That's cool. That's too deep. <laughs> no, but but it, but it's good because it, I think a lot of people, uh, whether they're Laker fans or listening to this podcast or whatever, they yeah. think things just come naturally. Yeah. And and they they don't understand that that uh, you know your whole life you've been. Uh, groomed is a bad word. Right. Uh, right. It's not the right word. <laughs> it's a negative word yeah. almost. It's, yeah. it's, it's not. It's yeah. not the right word. But, right. but prepared, prepared, taught, you right. know, like you know, immersed. Uh, but, you know, going back to, you know, be, the fact that I'm not a parent, <laughs> there was one time, <laughs> I love this story. There was one time, Jimmy, where when uh, the, the team, the LA Strings, when you were playing for the team and we, we had a match in Hers- Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and if people don't know where Hershey, Pennsylvania is, it's where they make Hershey chocolate. <laughs> so they actually have an amusement park that is Hershey land or whatever it is, chocolate town. And so the team was practicing and you said, would you mind taking my son, Brett, Oh, yeah. over to Hershey Park. He really wants to go. Oh, and I was like, he likes oh. chocolate. I'm like, I'm so honored that I get to like, I get to take Brett to the amusement park. So, you know, we, we go over there and somehow I lose him. Oh, and I, I have not heard this. You've never heard this story? <laughs> no. Uh, no, you've keep heard, going. Keep going. We found him, yeah. just so yeah, you yeah, know. I so, you do, like, you know, not to spoil the end of the story, but I, I lost him. <laughs> <laughs> I lost him at the, and it, it was, it was like, you know, the police came and they shut down the park and it was like, I was going cuckoo. I didn't know what what was going on and there there was Brett watching everything from above (laughs) he had climbed up on the roof of the the like the office building the administrative building or something and he could he watched all the stuff go on chaos we never looked up to see if we could find him but thankfully uh, you know that that was like where I was really like Uh I don't know if I'm like meant to be a parent or not I lost a kid I lost a kid 
did. Oh, that's funny. Well, the, the fun part of that day was getting to eat Hershey, uh, or Reese's uh, peanut butter cups, fresh off the line. <laughs> so that was really fun. And I, and I do have a picture from that, which now we can laugh at it, but I was pretty stressed out. Yeah, we're riding in, I think, a giant kiss. Like the, yes, the roller like coaster. Was, yeah. You sit in like a giant kiss, and it's like me grinning and poor Jeannie's like, oh my God. I, I picked a bad day not to take a, a little practice off. I should have come with you. Yeah. You guys are having so much fun. Well, now you know why they were booing the LA team because That's we were playing in Hershey, Pennsylvania, towns like that. The big city team. You, you've had so many popular people, stars uh, of stage, screen, politicians, mm-hmm. everything come, uh, everybody come through and, and uh, want to want a seat at the Laker games. Yeah. Uh, any favorites? Uh, there's only one person I ever asked for his autograph. And it was when he first started on the tour, Tiger Woods used to come mm-hmm. to a lot of games. And there was just something special that you could see in mm-hmm. his eyes that, you know, it was like when I first met Kobe, like Tiger was like, I'm going to win this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like he just listed all the things he was going to do because he knew that's what he was going to do. Like there's no right. stopping him. It's just right. like that's how much confidence. But yet I think uh, really a, a, a nice person, interesting person. And I just was so moved by him. And I still have that autograph today. Yeah, That's <laughs> cool. Do you save pictures and and uh, do you have a a gallery of of I should I should I'm like I'm bad at organizing I'm not a hoarder I mean I have it's like it's accessing things because it's it's kind of like different chapters and and it's almost like on my desk you know my desk gets piled you can you it's almost like rings on a tree you know how you can tell the age of a tree <laughs> by like and what happened oh here was the winter of you know and you can see the ring on the tree it's like when i you know when kobe died it's like it's like my whole world just stopped and things just started just i just couldn't I couldn't process, I couldn't accept it. I still can't accept it. And, you know, I, and I, I'm so grateful for all the pictures and things and the collectibles that I have from my time with Kobe. And, you know, so I do have a lot of stuff. I just need to be able to access it better because I do have a cute picture of me and Brett that oh. I wish I could have found today. Yeah. Lost. Uh, <laughs> It'll turn up somewhere. <laughs> Better turn up like Brett turned up. I guess, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. Just, just look up. <laughs> well, how did Jack Nicholson become such a super fan? Um, you know, it's funny because people think that it's like we invited him to come. Mm-hmm. He was a season seat holder starting in 71 or 72. And those were his seats. He, he pays for his seats and you know, he's, yeah. he's like every other fan, you know, like, cause people are like, Oh, Jack must not be doing well. He hasn't been coming to games. And I'm like, uh, it's because we're not winning and there's no reason for him to come. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, he was there opening night, yeah. you know, so Still supports. He, he comes when, when he knows yeah. that there's going to be some winning going on, that's when he shows up. 
And then another question, why does he sit? Because at the forum he sat on the Lakers side, right? Mm -hmm. And now he sits on the opposition side. Is that just so he can pester the, the yeah, other players? We did that on purpose. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's kind of like you never know if, you know, Jack from The Shining is going to yeah. be sitting yeah. there, like, right? It's, it's a little intimidating. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's such an atmosphere. Uh, I want to I want to go back to the Great Western Forum mm -hmm. uh, because walking into that that arena and and uh, the restaurant and the bar that mm -hmm. was uh, was up top and mm -hmm. and you know I, I played there a number of times and thank you for the invitation many yeah. times thank you uh, you know and and it was the after that was so much fun mm -hmm. you go in there and spend, you know, have, have dinner, club. have a drink at yeah. the forum club and yeah. just see everybody. Yeah. Uh, and, and the energy and the excitement. Yeah. So, so great. Yeah. And, 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 and where you could cross pollinate and, you know, movie stars with boxers and, you know, like people that normally wouldn't be brought together, the Lakers, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, like a who's who, uh, 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 like whatever was hot at that time. And, and, you know, and L.A. is, you know, it, it's such a di diverse city and such a spread out city that, um, you know, my dad used to, he, he used to say that when you live in L.A. and you have friends that come visit you, they ask you to go, they want to do three things. They want to go to Disneyland, they want to go to the beach, and they want to see a movie star. So where could you take them that you would be guaranteed that they would see a movie star? Well, a Laker game, <laughs> that's right? That's cool. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how he wanted Laker games to be. It was just kind of microcosm of all L.A. in one place. Has, has that uh, energy and, and feeling changed since you moved to the Staples Center? Um, it, you know, it was... When people move to new arenas, I always tell them, make sure that you win a championship that first year. Because when we right. moved from the Forum to Staples Center, it was hard on our fans. We had been at the Forum for over 40 years. Right. And so when we moved to Staples Center, people were like, well, I want the same seat I have at the Forum. And I'm like... Well, you can have the same seat you have at the Forum. The Lakers won't be there, but <laughs> you can have the you same have seat. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was a different configuration because mm. there were suites. And, you know, so, so it was hard. And people didn't like the hot dogs. They didn't like <laughs> the parking. They didn't like the. But then once we won, mm. then it was like we didn't lose our mojo. Right. But, you know, I look at, you know, for example, Golden State open that new arena and j just had nothing but bad luck, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, winning the championships and having such a great run, like they did, they kind of went the opposite way <laughs> that, right. that they, at the, their, their lowest level, they're opening a new building. And then that, that makes it to me more of a challenge because people aren't happy when you're losing. Yeah. Winning cures a lot of things, doesn't <laughs> it? It does, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I can remember the being there with you the night they won uh, at Staples. Which one? Uh, the first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember when they, were, they had locked us in because yeah. they were like, like kind of like little riots right yeah. out front there. Yeah, they wouldn't let us go <laughs> they home. They wouldn't let us out, yeah. That's right. Oh, so, gosh. How old awesome. were you then? So that was uh, 2000. 19. 19. 19, I think. Aww. Yeah. 
<laughs> and luckily, we, you said it earlier, when Magic lost to the Bulls, mm-hmm. we were there for that one, Pops and I. Mm-hmm. You were lucky enough to hook us up with the, with the playoff ticket there, finals. So I always think it's neat. I got to see Jordan's first and Kobe and Shaq's first because of you. So, there you go. Thank, that's, that's, thank you, That's Jeannie. pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that's, that's, pretty that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I got to ask you, uh, have you ever thought, uh, I mean, what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now? I, I, you know, I, I probably would be like a real estate developer or something like something in real estate. How about you? I, I was I was born and bred to play tennis. There you go. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, so I, I guess, you know, I, but but, you know, I, I look back and, and uh, I wouldn't change a thing. And I, I know you wouldn't either. Right because it was given to us by our parents and mm-hmm. and that's very special anyway but uh, you know I always say I always want to say that you know she's I, I'd love to be a lawyer all right I, I but you know I, I can't sit down long enough to to read a book you know so <laughs> you know I, I'd, rather, I'd rather be up and going and and uh, so you know it, it fit me to a T it seems like this is uh, the same for you um it, it, you know I I've had my moments where I've like I've doubted like if I could keep going on you know when when magic you know decided to step down and and do it on live television that was a little bit you know like took me off guard and um and that summer was uh, you know that was an up and down summer we got anthony davis but we missed out on Kawhi leonard and um you know i mean I, I, I like to think that we got we have the Lakers back to the way Dr. Buss wanted the Lakers to be, and that's really that that's important to me. Your dad so. would be proud. Definitely. I think so. <laughs> I, think, I, I mean, you I, don't I, have I to hope. blush when you say that. I, it's a it's a fact. Come on, G. I, I hope so, and yeah. I, you know, it's just uh, he, um, you know, he really. Um, you know, when we talked about world team tennis and, and, and how we treated the players, um, he always made sure that players, you know, even on other teams, when other teams went bankrupt, my dad would step in and make sure those players got paid because he knew like reputation in this business was everything Hmm. and, and you had to live up to your word. And, um, you know, I, it was really important to him that the Lakers make Los Angeles proud. And, and I, I think that we're, we're getting to that place again. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think that uh, you guys are right on track. First, first in the Western Conference. Ready to rock. Um, can you just do one thing? We have a, a listener who sent us a question. Okay. And just wanted me to ask you. So... You're one of the few women, only women, in you know ownership and and the, you know the the upper brass of sports and everything. Can you give us some advice that you would give to other women out there who are dealing with you know battling against something that's kind of stacked against them? Let's say. Um, you mean to to work in a, a male dominant? Yeah, exactly. Field like or, a, yeah. I, I you know I um, the advice I like to give is that. Um, you know, sports is so competitive and everybody is always looking to come out on top and they'll, some come straight at you and some will 
come around you and try to stab you in the back. And I think that, um, you know, in my case, in times where I've felt being a woman was a drawback was when people tried to make it that way. And, and I mean that in, there was, there was one uh, conference, uh, one meeting I was in in a conference room full of people, but I was the only female and it was a heated negotiation. And the guy that was talking was using foul language and he turns to me and he says, excuse me, like, you know, apologizing for his foul language, but really patting me on the head, like reminding everybody, like she doesn't belong here. Like, you know, we have to stop the process and, you know, pat the little girl on the head. Mm. And, um, I said, you know what, excuse me, if you, if you're going to apologize for your language, then apologize to everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know yeah. it was like I had to call him out. And I, I think, it, I don't think he was necessarily a woman hater, but he was trying to get leverage mm-hmm. over me and he was going to use it with intimidating language or to, you know, embarrass me or whatever he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess in, in sports, you're going to deal with that every day. Everybody wants what you have. People are looking for an edge. Mm -hmm. And if they think they can intimidate you because you're a woman, then they will because you think that you can be intimidated. But Mm -hmm. it's really just the nature of the business and don't back down. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. That's changing. I like it. That's changing now for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What would, how? So uh, tell me how. I, I, you know, I don't know if it's because more women, it's just like we're, we're just around more. So everybody's used to it, like get used to it kind of thing. I, I just think that um, the younger generation is more empathetic and more compassionate and more respectful of differences in people, you know, whether it's gender or race or sexual orientation. I mean, I just think that that younger people have more tolerance for people that are different, aren't just exactly the same as them. Yeah, but aren't you looking for somebody to do the right job? (laughs) Yes, always. Always. I mean, (laughs) so... uh, Yes. I guess that's what... you know, kind of confuses me in a lot of a lot of ways. I mean, I, I was brought up in a in a you know female dominated. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother and my grandmother, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and now by my wife Patty. You know, so <laughs> but I mean, but I, I you know I, I get that. I mm-hmm. I understand that. Uh, so uh, yeah, the 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 person to do the right job and, and to get the job done and, and to know how to go about it and, and to, to make it whatever it is successful is, is who you're looking for. It doesn't matter who. Mm-hmm. So I, I, is that, would that be more in sports or in business? I think or it's just business. Everything? I think it's, it's, you know, any, any place where money can be made, it's like people bring out, you know, whatever weapon they have uh, to, to get ahead. Janie, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming up and, and joining us here on Advantage Connors. And, and uh, it's always good to catch up and to see you, but, you know, to to listen to you in, the, in, in your life and what you've been through and what you're doing now. It's, uh, it's just been uh, yeah, old friends. Glad to see you. Thank, thank you. And um, I, I love that you guys are doing a show together. I wish I could have done that with my dad. Yeah. But uh, it's 
it's it's neat to see the relationship that you guys have and, and I'm glad that I didn't permanently lose you yeah. in Hershey, <laughs> Pennsylvania. So I could be here on the show now. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We Thank couldn't you. when we made the list when we were thinking about guests when we thought about doing the show you were at the top oh thank you <laughs> yeah. really yeah thank you. for sure always that makes me feel good thanks jane thank you seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.